I think, I don't know, with, with media going the way it is with technology and Hollywood, everything has to be so fast. Assuming that audiences are not able to, to just be for a bit and think and, and breathe in. And it's all about not losing your audience and being really patronizing. And I like something that uh, is an antidote to that. Marina Willer is a partner at global design firm Pentagram. She's a graphic designer and filmmaker with an MA in graphic design from the Royal College of Art. Before Pentagram, she was creative director at Wolf Olens, where she led iconic work like the incredibly smart visual identity for the Tate Modern in London. In this episode, we talk about her film, Red Trees, that tells the story of today's refugee crisis through the lens of her own family. And we talk about the role of the designer in a world that's becoming consumed by consumption. This interview was recorded at the What Design Can Do conference in Mexico City. I've always been making short films, but built my kind of career, which is a, it's a boring word, but uh, trajectory as a designer. And I think to try and do something uh, a bit more ambitious in terms of scale and, uh, was interesting, but it was mostly because I had a story that I really wanted to tell. I couldn't do that, like, just for anything, because there was something about the way the world is going and uh, how the conditions in which we, many things we are seeing, like people building walls and uh, xenophobia and racism coming back and the intolerance that we were seeing just before the Second World War, um, in a way, is coming back at such speed. And there is such an increase of extreme right-wing governments, and you know, from Trump to Brazil to... Hungary and so many others, and Brexit, obviously, where I'm based, it, there is a rise of fascism, really. And I think the timing felt, this was about three or four years ago that I started to really make it, the timing felt like right to do something that uh, was going in an opposite direction to all this wave of intolerance. And I wanted to share the story, a personal story, because I think we connect much more when we are small and even though the personal stories are so universal. So it's the story of my family and how my father's family migrated from having survived the Nazi occupation of Prague as one of the only 12 Jewish families that remained there. And they then managed to survive, start life again in Brazil. And Brazil is such a diverse society. You know, it's it's got so many problems, but at least there's a, a real beauty of, of seeing all these origins and races living together and, and not necessarily killing each other for that reason. There are many other problems, but there's something interesting and, and optimistic. And, um, yeah, there's something about acceptance that is, is quite wonderful. Yeah, I mean, there's a part where I think your children ask your father if he's a Jew, and he says he's Jewish, Protestant, Catholic, Czech, German, Brazilian, and English. But he also describes himself as a salad. And I've heard you describe, use the phrase like a fruit salad. So where does that, what is this idea of salad? Yes, I was, I thought it was quite funny when he said that, because I always say I'm a bit of a fruit salad. And I always, every team I created in design companies and so on was so mixed because I really believe the work is so much more interesting when there are, there are many, as many origins as possible and it can be difficult at times but um, I think that makes it much more interesting then he 
said the same thing. I thought, oh, that's funny. But yes, I think you can still keep your identity as whatever you you are originally and add colors to it rather than just become a blend that is nothing. Do you think there's something about food also? <laughs> the metaphor of food? No, but I think we're much more as a fruit salad than a, than a soup, if you see what I mean. Because when you blend the soup, it all becomes, you lose all the colors and the tastes. And I think it's important that we can keep our, yeah, you know, what made us what we are and, and all of that. You're using a film to tell a story, obviously, through uh, a sort of a logical, narrative-driven, linear story, but you're also using the space of film in a way that deeply affects how that story is understood by the viewer. So what would you say is sort of the relationship between the storytelling and then the form of film or the space of film? Yeah, and I think, especially if you're making film for theatrical viewing, which is rare nowadays, you ask in the audience for a big commitment to come and spend two, even three hours in some cases, and... It it was lovely or very powerful to rewatch all of the Kubrick films quite a few times recently when I was designing the exhibition because you see he does not compromise with the time of things or going into silence for ages. And I think, obviously, this is one of the best filmmakers ever, but I think it's a real challenge to get people to abandon the rhythm of, like I said, technology and the crazy lives that we live and give a bit of space to just embark on a story. And I uh, I do enjoy stories that are real in some way, but they don't need to be told as some kind of mainstream documentary. They can be told in ways that you don't even describe as documentaries anymore. Mm-hmm. But I find it interesting when you can make think about the things that we all experience as human beings and and there is some kind of, it's not consolation, but there is some comfort and and even dealing with pain as well as sharing moments of joy. I think there's something amazing about being in the same room, uh, which is not the same. I I see myself sometimes if I'm watching something on a digital platform, you know, you stop, you go and get a drink, you do this. And so the experience of time and if you're not too happy, you might even skip a bit. So <laughs> the experience of time is quite different. Would you say, I mean, are we on a, a path that cannot turn back now? I mean, when you talk about, you know, the big Hollywood films and how they have to work at a certain pace, and there's no doubt there's science and research that goes into this, but do you feel that we can pull people back from that way of understanding and enjoying these forms of narratives? Or do you think it's too far gone and that the the role of the contemporary designer or or artist is to try to find ways to pull those people who are sort of already been eaten by this machine of speed and, you know, pace. Uh, Is it our job to pull them back? I think that mainstream won't, you know, it's just very difficult to leave that space. However, there are stories that connect with everyone and... I think it's more and more challenging to do something that doesn't follow what research tells you to do and, and etc. You know, there is always a, a reaction against what's going on. That's why books are coming back and vinyls are coming back and people enjoy the things that are being lost. And the idea of being 
presence seems to be growing a lot more as well. So I think there is, like always, there's the mainstream, but there's a lot of understanding that this this road is taking us a little bit nowhere and we have to be able to do other things as well. You know, because the more we are addicted to their rhythm and to technology, the more we are ruining everything around us. So unless we can design new ways of transport, new ways of food, new ways of... The problem is we need to make that mainstream, otherwise that's not going to be enough. I mean, that was leads to the next question, which is how can design accelerate those uh, social purpose-driven projects? Like how, can it, how can design accelerate sustainable mobility or uh, food production? What role does design have to play in that? Yes, I think, I think we cannot simply justify producing more stuff or encouraging more consumerism. It's just completely out of question. And the same with the climate. I mean, this is all related, obviously, but with creating different behavior, which is the area that perhaps I can, in my, my work, because I don't do so much product design, but I design experiences and moving and brands. And the more we can create things that help people see how they can behave differently, I think that, that um, the more useful we can be. And also it's, it's highly satisfying. I've not made a life plan to spend my time working mostly on organizations with a strong purpose or not-for-profit, but it's kind of going that, that way. So I feel very lucky that things, once you def- start to, to spend more and more time doing those things, you then attract the kind of work that follows that. You know, what would you say to a younger designer who's out of school, they need to get a job, they need to pay their rent? You know, how do you speak to that young designer who has a social purpose and they have a drive for that kind of work, but they don't know how to spend their time focused on that? I think the more inventive you are, in the times you live in, the more you will cut through. You don't need to go through some kind of job ladder <laughs> to get to become the boss of a big company anymore. You can do that with ideas. And to get ideas, you have to go out in the world and be curious and work for others sometimes for not exactly what you were wanting, but so you can learn. And you have to really, really, really run around trying to learn as much as you can. But I think it's about not finding the quickest way to make money, but the the most interesting way to make a difference. I'm always asking myself whether I am changing in the speed that things need to change. And I've got a team that is phenomenal around me and they challenge me aesthetically. But at the same time, I never want to be fashionable with design, I think, or just do the cutting edge thing because there's always a trend in this and you need to be able to see through and create design that is long lasting. There is an emergency and decoration doesn't feel like it's not designed and it's something else. find out more about Marina, follow her on Instagram at Marina underscore Willer and on Twitter at Marina Willer. First Things First is produced by Max Cotter. Frontier Media is a part of Frontier, a design office based in Toronto, Canada. We believe that design is more than visual. It's a process of exploration, discovery, sketching, prototyping, iteration, and refinement. 
that process can help create a better world. Our mission is to help others understand how that goal can be accomplished. To do this, we use design to create better and more purposeful products. We publish a magazine and produce this podcast to explore and celebrate the risks people take in the process of creating things that are original and worthwhile. And we work with clients to help them define their purpose and tell their story. To learn more, visit www.frontier.is. First Things First is recorded in Toronto and Vancouver at the Design Thinkers Conference, organized by our founding partners at RGD, the Association of Registered Graphic Designers, who represent over 3,800 design practitioners, including firm owners, freelancers, managers, educators, and students. Through RGD, Canadian designers exchange ideas, educate and inspire, set professional standards, and build a strong, supportive community dedicated to advocating for the value of design. Thank you.